the official Four Oaks Recording Studio. So we're going to start doing all of our uh, devotionals, pastoral devotionals here. Just will hopefully make for a better audiovisual um, viewing and listening experience for you, the listener, so and the watcher now. So anyway, glad you've joined us. We're calling this Romans Rewind. That is where we are running parallel to the sermon series that we are doing on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks, and we're taking ideas, concepts, themes, verses um, that maybe we didn't have time to spend a lot of time on for that Sunday sermon, and we're going to unpack those in more detail. And we are now up to Romans 3, 21 through 25, and this has been described, or Romans 3, 21 through 26, and this has been described as one of the most important passages in all of the Bible, if not the most important. It's certainly the most important in the book of Romans, because Paul has been giving us all of this bad news for the first three and a half chapters about how all of humanity, Jew, Gentile, religious, non-religious, are all condemned, all stand under the just judgment and wrath of God. And then we find here in verse 21, but now, Paul says, but now, and it's one of the most pivotal but nows in all of scripture. Let me read the passage for us, and I'll tell you where we're going today. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, the verse we want to just totally camp out on, just imagine we have our microscope, and we are, we are drilling down here, and we want to enlarge this text. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, the word we really want to focus in on here is this word propitiation. Now, if you're using another version of the Bible, like the King James Version or the New International Version, you'll notice a different word here. Um, you might see the word expiation, or you might um, see the word sacrifice of atonement, or you might see, as we see here in the ESV, the Elect Standard Version, the word propitiation. And let me explain what's going on here and why you have so many different words and why it's so important that we understand what Paul is getting at here. The, the original word in the, in the Greek is hilasterion, hilasterion. And those who translate it expiation um, are, are tapping into this idea that when Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross, he took away our sins. He, he made atonement for our sins. Our sins were ex removed from us. Expiate means to move out of. And so this idea points to Jesus's death as something that is an atoning sacrifice for our sins, removing our guilt. Now, other times you'll see the word propitiation, and it involves this idea of expiation, but goes another step further. To propitiate means to satisfy. It means to appease someone in their anger. And specifically in this context, the person or the being that Jesus is propitiating by his death is in fact 
the wrath of his father himself, okay? There's a couple of places that we can go to to understand this. One's in Galatians 3, where it talks about how Jesus became a curse by being hung on a tree and how he was condemned, judged, had the wrath of his father poured out on him in order to satisfy the just requirements of the law. So he who, be, he, and, um, excuse me, Paul who also says this, the very same thing in 2 Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin became sin, right? So this idea of propitiation um, involves not only Jesus's death atoning for our sins, but in fact, the wrath of God being poured out on his own son um, justly because he was carrying his sins for us, our sins for on him. So we all deserve wrath and judgment. And propitiation denotes the idea that Jesus received that wrath um, on the cross. Now, the NIV translates this word sacrifice of atonement. And the reason it does is for a couple of reasons. Well, one, it wants to denote that there is a sense in which our sins are expiated. We, we totally agree with that. But we're also saying that our sins were propitiated. And, and it's not enough simply to say expiated because you can say expiated and it really doesn't tell us how our sins were atoned for. It doesn't tell us what happens to our sins. It doesn't tell us what happens to the just, righteous anger of God, okay, which we deserve. Propitiation fills in that blank. And so sacrifice of atonement, in a lot of ways, is just trying to bring those two concepts together. But there's also, I think, another reason why um, some might be tempted to sort of camp out in this nebulous term, sacrifice of atonement. And it's that, believe it or not, there is a lot, a lot of controversy, particularly in liberal progressive circles, about this idea of propitiation, this idea that God would pour out his wrath on his own son. And, and the offense comes by, by noting that this is, this is such a pagan notion of sacrifice, that this is something pagan religions believed in, that blood had to be necessary for sacrifice and blood for atonement and wrath poured out and the gods propitiated. We know that this was just metaphorical language the scripture writers, particularly in the Old New Testament, we're, we're using, but we understand now that we don't worship a God of wrath, right? We don't worship a God um, who is going to punish his own son. In fact, there's been some who've called this, the, the cross, our, our belief in this, the a divine act of child abuse, okay? And so you may hear certain commentary that really denounces this idea of penal substitutionary atonement. In other words, that Jesus stood in our place as a sacrifice to see the wrath of the Father, which was justly being turned on us, which is now instead turned and poured out on his own son. And so some people are much more comfortable with this idea of expiation uh, than they are propitiation, because propitiation, again, sounds so barbaric. And you might even hear people say, well, you know, Pastor Paul, I could never worship um, a God who was angry at his own son. I could never worship a God who was angry um, at me. And the reality is when we say things like that, um, we're elevating our intellects, we're elevating our personal presuppositions about who we think God should be. We're elevating those over what the scriptures themselves say. But, it, but it's very clear, is it not? Um, the Old and the New Testament. In the New Testament, for example, um, Jesus makes it clear that those who turn and trust in him, John chapter 336, that in turn, 
the wrath of God will not be poured out on them. They will save themselves, right, from the coming wrath. We just talked about Galatians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, and most certainly in this passage. And the reason this is such an important issue for us, that we hold on to this idea that Jesus is not just our expiation, but in fact, he is our propitiation, is because we lose the heart and the guts of the gospel otherwise. See, when you take away propitiation, then Jesus' death, it might be symbolic, it might be metaphorical, um, it might be an inspiration, it might be an example, but what it won't be is saving, okay? And what counts is not just that Jesus died, but in fact, Jesus died in our place, incurring upon himself all the judgment and wrath that we deserve. And so, and a lot of times when we have a problem with this and push back on it, what we're, what we're saying is, I want to worship a God that I'm comfortable with. I want to worship a God who fits my presuppositions about what a loving God should and should not do. You may even hear people say things like, well, Pastor Paul, I can never worship a God like that. The way the Old Testament speaks about God or the way this passage speaks about God, the whole point of God being God is that he reveals himself. The whole point of God being God is that his self-revelation is something that was given from him to us. In fact, Paul is going to address this very issue in Romans chapter 9, where he lays out a theodicy. And a theodicy is simply a defense of God, not as if God needed defending, but to really make a case that what God, the way God um, acts and behaves and motivates him himself is, is, is not antithetical to love. It's not antithetical to the gospel. In fact, it's at the very heart of the gospel. But again, we want to let God's word speak to who we are. We don't want to come in with a set of presuppositions and say, this is the way we think God ought to work. And so that, that's in essence the what's at stake here. And so the ESV, go back to the original verse, says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. How did he pass over former sins? He didn't punish them as they deserved. He, he forgave sins. We talked about this yesterday. He forgave sins, in fact, that were committed based upon the future death of his son. But it would have been unjust for God just to leave those sins unpunished. That's why Jesus had to come. It's why he had to be an expiation, but it's also why he had to be a propitiation. That's what the scriptures make loud and clear to us, and it's at the very heart of the gospel. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday morning. Let me pray for us as we go out from this place. Lord, thank you, thank you for the propitiating sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't want to be embarrassed by it. We don't want to shy away from it. We do want to embrace it knowing that as we do, we're embracing the heart of the gospel, the love that you had for us, that you poured out your judgment and wrath on your son who stood in our place. And Lord, we thank you for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody.